Live and local, this is the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Open for the end zone. It's a Saints touchdown. It's time for two hours of the best sports talk on the airwaves. Here's your host, the Blonde Bomber, Jordy Holberg. Good afternoon, wherever you are. Thanks so much. We are glad you're here with us as we sit back and relax and have some fun on this Wednesday, January 25th, the year 2023. LSU basketball can't throw it in the ocean. The Pelicans need some help. Sean Payton, what's going on with him? And LSU over mistakenly overpaid their head football coach? What? What? All these stories and much, much more coming your way uh, today. My main man, James Mesh, back in the master control suite, in the producer's chair, pushing all the buttons and hitting all the tunes. He's on the campus of Delta Media, which is where you'll find WKLWB which is 1037 Lafayette. We're also on 1041 in Lake Charles, streaming everywhere. 1037thegame.com, 1041thegame.com. And if you're in the Acadiana area, uh, we're on television as well, as we're simulcast on Stadium 32.3 and 133 on LUS Fiber. Did you miss the headlines of the day? Not to worry. The Blonde Bomber has you covered. Here is Holtberg's headlines. Well, LSU's basketball team continues to suffer and suffer and suffer. They lost their sixth straight double-digit SEC game, falling yesterday to the Arkansas Razorbacks by a score of 60-40. to 60-40. A major college basketball team scoring 40 points in a 40-minute game. That is just mind-boggling to me. Mind-boggling. LSU started two for 18 from the field, had eight turnovers in the first 10 minutes of the game. It was 38-14 to Arkansas after 20 minutes. And this thing was ugly and bad, and they just really aren't competitive. Look, here's what it comes down to, plain and simple. At least LSU didn't quit. They came out, hit four of five shots coming out of halftime. They got it down to 11 a couple of times, and then it was all she wrote, 60 to 40. Um, so the Tigers are now 12 and eight overall, one and seven in the SEC. Uh, they'll get out of league play and they will host the Texas Tech Red Raiders, guns up, um, Saturday in the SEC Big 12 challenge. Texas Tech is 10 and nine overall, 0 oh and seven in the, in the really, really good. Big 12 Basketball League. That's a 1 o'clock showdown. Here, here's what it comes down to. And this is not a fault of Matt McMahon. He didn't have hardly many days at all, maybe 40, to get a team put together. So he went where he was familiar. And that was to Murray State and some other schools. 
Murray State's in the Ohio Valley Conference, and this is not a knock on these kids, but they went to an Ohio Valley Conference school because SEC schools didn't want them. Ohio Valley Conference is one thing. The SEC's a whole nother, <laughs> a whole nother world. A whole nother world. It's not even close. You get some outliers every now and then. Steph Curry going to Davidson, John Moran at Murray State. Everyone, but that's far, 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 and few between. LSU just didn't have players. They don't have players. LSU finished the night shooting 26%. They had 15 turnovers and only six assists. They didn't even have a double-digit score in the game. It's going to get uglier. They, they, got, they may win a game or two, maybe. But, man, man. Matt can coach. Now the question is, can he go get players? That's the key. That's the key. And he's fighting the fact that LSU basketball is down. And it was ugly. It was ugly. Um, tried to get Kim Mulkey on the show today for LSU women's hoops, but she is taking her, her team uh, on a tour of the Angola prison. They're going to put on a free throw shooting competition. Uh, and then they're going to have a Q&A with um, some of the incarcerated members of Angola did that when I was at LSU Dale Brown took us there it was eye-opening it was life-changing it was the most eerie feeling of a place so um she said and and I will quote as I have the text from her bear with me for one second uh, but Kim said to me um uh, golly here we go um bringing joy to Tiger fans in prison. If just for a few hours today, we will tour, we will have a free throw shooting contest and then a Q and a. So there you go. Meanwhile, can she recruit? Oh yeah. Two of her latest recruits were named McDonald's all Americans uh, late yesterday, Alaya del Rosario and Michaela Williams. Uh, two ladies that highlight LSU's top rated class. The second consecutive year that Kim Mulkey and LSU has signed a McDonald's all American. Flo Jake Johnson was one last year and she's playing like one this year. So there you go. Um, Football coaches around the country are on the roads recruiting this weekend. Um, so uh, we'll see if, if and when anything pops up along those lines with uh, Brian Kelly and LSU. Speaking of Brian Kelly and LSU, um, LSU mistakenly overpaid their head football coach more than by more than a million dollars a state legislative audit found found this out he was overpaid one million one thousand three hundred and sixty eight dollars in supplemental payments during the 2022 fiscal year lsu made double payments in may and june of 2022 in may of 2022 uh, they sent it to kelly's llc then continued to make supplemental payments to the coach directly resulting in monthly double payments until lsu management detected it in november um so according to a release 
from Louisiana Legislative Audit. LSU and Kelly have enacted an adjustment payment schedule, so the amount of over- overpayment will be recouped by the conclusion of fiscal year 2023. Remember, Kelly signed that 10-year, $95 million contract last season. He'll also receive a $500,000 longevity bonus every July. LSU makes a bowl game. He'll earn another 500000 So, um, yeah, he's going to average a lot of money per year by the end of the deal. The New Orleans Pelicans, man, they need some help. Man, they need some help in a hurry. They lost last night to the Denver Nuggets, 99-98. to Nikola Jokic was listed as questionable. Well, he, he played. And Jokic led the way with 25 points, 11 rebounds, and 10 assists. He is absolutely spectacular. The former Kentucky Wildcat, Jamal Murray who is healthy this year. He had 25 as well. The Nuggets are now 34 and 14. The Pels 26 and 22. The Pels have now lost five in a row. They are eight games out of the first place, and they are holding on to fourth in the Western Conference by the hair on their chinny chin chin. Just one game ahead of the LA Clippers, a game and a half ahead of the Dallas Mavericks and the Phoenix Suns. I mean, they're, they're this close. I mean, inches, uh, less than an inch close from dropping from fourth all the way to like 12th if they don't get this thing, uh, this ship righted and righted quickly. Brandon Ingram uh, may play tonight, no official word yet, um, as they play a back-to-back against the Minnesota Timberwolves. However, we do know for a fact that the right hamstring strain that Zion Williamson suffered back January 2nd against the Philadelphia Sixers will sideline him for at least another few weeks. Yesterday, the Pels announced that Williamson is making good progress in his recovery and will be reevaluated in two weeks. He's missed the past 10 games. The Pels are 3-7 and seven in those 10. Pels are favored somehow by three points tonight. Um, yeah, the update the Pelicans provided yesterday means that Williamson will likely miss another eight games at minimum. They just can't keep these guys healthy. It is just ridiculous, ridiculous. I mean, look, in 29 games, he's averaged 26 points on 61% shooting, seven rebounds and five assists. He looked like a lock to make the All-Star game, but being sidelined for such a prolonged period in the lead-up to the February 19th All-Star game in Salt Lake City, man, decreases the chance he'll make the second All-Star appearance of his career. That's a shame. Just can't stay healthy. Mm. Mm Mm-mm-mm. So we'll see if Brandon Ingram, who the Pelicans say are hopeful to get him back against the Timberwolves, that would be a huge boost for them. He's missed 29 consecutive games with a left toe contusion. He suffered back on November 25th against the Memphis Grizzlies. Uh, It's been more than eight weeks since he last played. My goodness gracious. I don't know how you you do it. Um, The Associated Press 
announced their finalists for the 2022 NFL MVP and Offensive Player of the Year awards. Uh, Jalen Hurts, former LSU Tiger, current Minnesota Viking Justin Jefferson, Patrick Mahomes, Buffalo Bills quarterback Josh Allen, and Cincinnati's Joe Burrow are finalists for the MVP award. That's tough. That's tough. San Francisco 49er edge rusher Nikki Bosa, Chiefs defensive tackle Chris Jones, Dallas Cowboys edge rusher Micah Parsons are the finalists for defensive player of the year. Coach of the year, not finalists, Brian Dable, New York Giants, Doug Peterson, Jacksonville Jaguars, Kyle Shanahan of the 49ers. Um Yes. Uh, Rookie offensive rookie of the year finalists, Brock Purdy of the 49ers, Seattle Seahawks running back Kenneth Walker III, New York Jets wide receiver Garrett Wilson. Um, So you would think maybe that Chris Olave would have been in in the running, but uh, he is not. The Saints were just not good enough, and they don't give those kind of awards to just anybody. They give them to the best players on the best teams. So – There you go. Um, Tommy Paul uh, won an All-American quarterfinal at the Australian Open. He next faces Novak Djokovic in the semis. Yes. So um, some American players doing pretty, pretty well. Um, Those are your headlines of the day. Our guest list, Chris Rosevoglu, we'll talk all about um sean payton we'll talk about the nfl final four and then as per the norm it'll be hump day with hugan and mike hugan of on3.com will join us as well so stick around we're in the middle of the week it's a beautiful chamber of commerce chilly day and you're tuned in uh for the next two hours to the jordy helper show this is the jordy Holberg show on the game 1037 lafayette and 1041 lake charles southwest louisiana's sports station your home for the lsu tigers and houston astros need help with taking your lady out for valentine's day well the help you need can be found inside the game clubhouse at 1037thegame.com or 1041thegame.com as a member of our rewards club you'll have the opportunity to score excellent prizes like a 150 dollars gift certificate to mr lester's steakhouse at cypress bayou casino resort a 50 dollars gift certificate to richard seafood patio in abbeville a 40 dollars gift card to misfits dine and drink in broussard and a 25 dollar gift certificate to mabel's kitchen at cypress bayou casino resort you can only score these great prizes to help you with valentine's day by becoming a member of the game clubhouse at 1037thegame.com or 1041thegame.com it's free it's simple so go sign up today let your voice be heard Hello. Give us a call on the hotline at 337-706-0111 and speak your mind. Hello. This is the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. We are back. Um, Stadiums are back at full capacity in the midst of uh, football coaching changes at LSU. Um, the athletic department revenue surged again 
in 2021 after restrictions implemented for the coronavirus pandemic caused ticket sales and contributions to plummet the year before lsu produced a six and a half million dollar profit according to the school's annual ncaa financial report uh the rebound spanned the 2021 2022 academic year and came after lsu reported a deficit the previous fiscal year for the first time since at least 2004 because of major revenue losses caused by the pandemic so um Things are flourishing. Athletic revenue climbed to $199.30 million. They spent $192.77 million, um, which was more than $61 million than the year before. You got to pay coaches. They get fired. You got to do all these kind of things. Um, so LSU's back in a good place uh, with all of that the college world series odds have arrived and yes um lsu according to the bookmakers caesar's sportsbook the uh, they they dropped their odds this week on who will win the 2023 college world series lsu leads the way at plus 700 that means a 100 dollars bet would profit 700 bucks if the tigers win it all in omaha now that's great. Everything on papers is pointing toward LSU. But when you look through the rearview mirror right behind them, Tennessee plus 800. The Vol, man, what a series this is going to be in um, late March when the Vols come to Alec Box Stadium, Skip Burtman Field. Right. Uh, Florida is at plus 1,300. Ole Miss plus 1,500. Texas A&M, Vandy, Arkansas, all at plus 1,800. The only SEC teams with better than 20 to 1 odds are Stanford at plus 1,200. Texas at plus 2,000. Um, so uh, LSU baseball is uh, everybody's pick to win the whole thing. Their season um, gets underway with practice coming up on Friday and the season opener February 17th against Western Michigan in Baton Rouge. So uh, stay tuned. Stay tuned. We shall see uh, what happens. Um, Mel Kuyper came out with his first round projections for all 31 picks. Chicago has a quarterback, but they went, according to Mel, they go with Jalen Carter, the defensive tackle from Georgia. Houston picking second needs a quarterback and needs a coach, right? Uh, he has C.J. Stroud from Ohio State going number two to Houston. The Arizona Cardinals at number three go with Will Anderson Jr., the defensive great from Alabama. At number four, Indianapolis needs a coach, needs a quarterback. They've got he's got Bryce Young from Alabama going number four. Um, Seattle's number five. And he has, Mel Kuyper has Will Levis at of Kentucky going at number five to give Geno Smith a little run for his money. Do they think he is the long-term answer? I don't know. If they do, they're going to have to pay him before he hits free agency in March. Um, so we, we shall see. 
but quarterback heavy for sure. The Detroit Lions at number six, Tyree Wilson, a defensive end from Texas Tech. Um, and no LSU Tigers. Carolina Panthers at number nine. They need a quarterback. Anthony Richardson from Florida is who Mel Kuyper has there. Uh, the Eagles at number 10, a pick via the New Orleans Saints. Um, Kalijah can't see a defensive tackle from Pitt. Okay. Uh, but no LSU players in the first round that I th- can think of. I'm double checking to make sure. Uh, but, you know, maybe Kayshawn Booty w- would be one. But um, let's see. No, 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 no. And so much, again, will depend upon the Saints and Sean Payton and what's going on with him. So they got to figure out a way. They got so many question marks and so many, so many things that they need to get to get better at. Um, and yeah, no LSU Tigers in the first round, but it's, you know, it's Mel Kuyper and you can take it with a grain of salt or not. Uh, but the Saints have so many things to do, so many decisions to make. And they're kind of have their hands behind their back until we find out what's going on with with Sean Payton. Uh, yesterday, we mentioned that Bill O'Brien has left Alabama to become the offensive coordinator for the New England Patriots. And so now Nick Saban faces some difficult decisions as he replaces both his offensive coordinator and his defensive coordinator ahead of the 2023 season. Um, a lot of names being banded about for Alabama as an offensive coordinator. Dan Mullen, the former Mississippi State coach. Cliff Kingsbury, the former Arizona Cardinal coach. How would you feel, LSU fans, if Joe Brady went to Alabama as the offensive coordinator? Certainly a possibility. We loved him when he was here. Um How would you feel if Joe Brady came back as the offensive coordinator of Alabama? I think Jeremy Pruitt, in all likelihood, is going to come back and be reunited with Saban as his defensive coordinator. I think Nick will take his time, uh, but certainly sometime in the month of February, they're going to have to get some people in there because spring practice is right around the corner. But it'll be a very, very interesting. Some big names out there that looking for a job, some that already have a job, but we'll see. 337-706-0111 is the game hotline. 337-706-0111. Would you be ticked off if, you know, we got ticked off because Nick Saban came back to the SEC and came to Alabama. Would you be ticked off if Joe Brady left the NFL and um, became the offensive coordinator at Alabama? Would that tick you off? We shall see. Uh, We'll talk about the NFL and much, much more when we return. Chris Roseville-Glue will join us. his thoughts on the AFC championship, the NFC championship, and of course, you know, there's that where's Waldo? Where's Sean Payton going to go? We'll be back. 
tune in every weekday at 8.15 a.m. and 3.15 p.m. for the LSU Sports Update, presented by Tibbs Trailers here on The Game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Uh, We are back 32 minutes after the hour on this uh, Wednesday, January 25th, the year 2023. Time to talk some NFL with our main guy, Mr. Chris Rosevoglu. We've got him on Zoom today, so those in the Acadiana area that have a television set, uh, you can watch it. Chris, great to have you again, buddy. uh, Now we can put a face to the voice. How are you? I'm doing great, Jordy. Thank you for having me. And uh, yeah, absolutely excited about this. Look at this. Got the good backdrop working. You got it all. You got the all major equipment. Man, the big leaguer, big leaguer. Um, all right, Sean Payton. What's the latest word on uh, the the Where's Sean map of coaching possibilities? Yeah, you know, for for Saints fans, it's one of those you kind of want to close your ears and, and and not pay attention to what's going on right now because there's been a lot of talk about well, maybe it's another year of TV and then we reassess this next year, which would be so you know frustrating because it feels yeah. like you're doing the same song and dance for another 12 months and uh, that really could string along. But it kind of seems to be the situation now. The only reason it's not 100% is he does have a meeting with the Cardinals on Thursday and you never want to say never. What happens if Sean Payton goes into that meeting and he does so well where the Cardinals say, hey, we need to have this guy. Not that we want. We need to have him in the building around Kyler Murray, around this roster, and really fix things. So uh, I'm not ready to say that there's no chance he he doesn't coach this upcoming season. But, you know, the percentage is starting to go down because you look around the Broncos' second meeting with him. That got delayed. That's obviously not a great sign there. Texans might go with the younger coach. And for Sean, that, that could be a situation where it might take three, four years before they're where they want to be. And for the Panthers... I always felt like that was going to be a weird spot for two reasons. One, for the Saints, you probably need a lot more to trade him within the division. And then if you're Carolina, do they feel like they're ready to give up that ninth pick and and part ways with something like that where they can use it on maybe a young quarterback or continue to build their defense with a lot of young talent? So I think right now you're hoping that the Cardinals meeting goes well because if it doesn't, we might have to just revisit this whole situation next January. He brought up something interesting to me. Who has the who has the power in this? Is is Sean Payton uh, going to be able to pick the team that he wants, or is he pricing himself out of some of these teams and their their opinions of his value? Well, you know, I think it's a little bit of both. I think in some capacity, you you speak to people around the league, and especially particular people in Denver. There is that kind of situation where they have the money, they can spend on Sean Payton, that's no problem, but does Sean Payton want that job? And then you look at other situations like, let's say, uh, a team like the Texans or a team like the Cardinals where we're going to find out in just a couple of days or maybe a week if they're willing to spend that type of money, if Sean Payton has gone out of that price range. So I think it's a little bit of both, but I also think in some capacity, it's also on Sean Payton's shoulders. I think that he thought different jobs would be available this offseason, and mm-hmm. they're not. You know, we for, for months, we talked about the Chargers. We talked right. about the Cowboys. We even mentioned the Rams if Sean McVay retired. Well, none of those opened up. So I think a little bit of this is Sean looking around and going, you know, I'm good enough to wait another year for that job that he wants to open up. And maybe that's part of the equation, too. But in terms of spending, there have been rumblings about, you know, the Denver Broncos want him and their ownership group is more than happy to spend. But even a situation like that hasn't materialized, which makes me think it's a little bit of both for a situation like this. What do you think happened? Why do you think the second interview was delayed? Um, there could be a, a, a myriad of reasons. 
Yeah, I, I think, you know, one reason for starters is there's two other candidates that are starting to come, you know, up the ranks for the Broncos, and that's Dan Quinn of the Cowboys and D'Amico Ryans of the 49ers. And that mm-hmm. makes all the sense in the world. I mean, the two of them just had masterful showings on Sunday. You know, you think back to the Niners-Cowboys game, that was just a defensive slugfest, and both guys really kind of added one more booster to their resume with that. So that's one reason. Uh, I'm sure the other reason is maybe a mutual thing for Sean Payton at the same time. If he's not ready to take that job, if he doesn't feel like he wants to go to that situation where you're married to Russell Wilson's contract, where you feel like you have to really work around that, then do you really have another a second meeting and kind of maybe waste everyone's time involved there? So I wonder if that comes into play. Mm-hmm. So I think there's a, there's a lot of reasons, but I do think that guys like Dan Quinn and D'Amico Ryan's kind of climbing up the ladder for Denver, they play a part in all this. Jerry Jones getting up there in age. Um, do, do you run it back with the same thing and expect different results? Or do you go and get the Cokes that you've uh, supposedly and apparently have always coveted? What do you do in his shoes? You know, it's interesting because I don't think they'll be able to run it back in, you know, any capacity, which is why I kind of thought, you know, maybe they do go and swing for the fences, go after Sean, because Dan Quinn's a candidate for three jobs right now. Broncos, Cardinals, Colts. If you lose him, that's going to be a big hit to your defense. If you look at the roster, Tony Pollard's going to be a free agent. Dalton Schultz is going to be a free agent. They don't have a lot of cap money right now to maneuver. They got to figure out what to do with a guy like Ezekiel Elliott who gets paid money to just be a short yardage back at this point in his career. So it's weird. If they run it back, they're going to run it back with a lesser coaching staff and fewer supporting pieces around a roster that couldn't get it done this year. So I thought this would be the the year. If you're going to swing for the fences, do it. And interestingly enough, we heard yesterday, you know, Diana Rossini said, Sean Payton's been linked to a mystery team that if they get everything in order, they yeah. come up. And, I, and my first thought was, well, Dallas. Is it Dallas? you know, yes. Jerry Jones hasn't had his radio interview yet, which I find fascinating is he may be thinking about stuff behind the scenes and maybe doesn't want to do a, a premature interview yet. Maybe that's part of it. So I won't fully close the door, but I, I would not like either. To think that's the team. I'm not closing the door on the Dallas Cowboys at all. If To me, the worst scenario happens for the Saints and Sean Payton sits out another year. What the heck do they do? They got to get a quarter. They got so many things they have to do. How do they do it? Yeah, you know, the, the the funny thing is, you know, there's some people that, that kind of say, ah, oh, if, he, if he stays in TV, whatever. I, I kind of think they, they thought a deal would go down where you got to reassess things. You know, if the Saints want a quarterback, if they don't pull off a trade with Sean Payton, well, we can cross off them drafting a quarterback first round because they won't have a first round pick. And that'll put them to the drawing board of, okay, do you pursue the Derek Carrs of the world or the Jimmy yeah. Garoppolo's or, you know, what do you go in that route? And I think not having that first round pick means not only do you change your approach at quarterback, you also change your approach for other positions because what if the Saints really wanted to use a first round pick on restoring maybe that defensive line? It's getting a little bit older. They can use a kind of an injection of youth. Well, mm-hmm. you can't do that now. Can't what if you that. wanted to go in a different direction and get maybe a different offensive lineman, an offensive guard maybe, you know, Andrews Pete's not getting any younger and he's also been injured prone also can't do that aspect so i think for them it also adds to the managing this roster maneuvering around the cap because for them to get a young player you know five years of team control on a, on a reasonable salary that would have been huge for a team like this so i do think for them they're gonna have to readjust their quarterback situation and i do wonder if this takes them out of some trade sweepstakes because they'd have one less asset to work with Philadelphia's not going anywhere. They're young. San Francisco's got not going anywhere. They're young. Is it time to blow this thing up? Start all over again? I mean, 
the way things look right here right now, it doesn't look good for this Saints squad. You know, if they were in a different division, I'd say it is kind of the time to start reassessing things. But I think the Saints are in such a you know unique spot where I look at the Falcons, they got a lot of questions. I look at the Panthers, uh, you know, they don't have a lot of questions roster-wise outside of quarterback, but quarterback is such a big spot. And they also have questions at who's going to be their next head coach. So there's a little bit of, uh, you know, uncertainty there. I look at Tampa Bay, this might be the team that has more question marks than everyone. You know, they're going to lose Tom Brady. They've already fired a plethora of assistant coaches. Yeah. I'm so curious to see what happens there. So I think for the Saints, you're in that weird spot where I don't think they are a player or two away from becoming a Super Bowl contender, but I do think they are a player or two away from winning a bad division, and and maybe that's what New Orleans wants to do. So I think there's a fine balance, right? You maybe get rid of some veterans like a Michael Thomas. You maybe explore the market. If you were to keep Caden Ellis, say, hey, do we work out a deal where Demario Davis gets traded? He gets to go to a Super Bowl contender. We get Mm. some draft assets back, and we'd still have Pete Werner and Caden Ellis to man that position, but you keep a guy like Alvin Kamara. You keep a guy like Cameron Jordan in the locker room. So I think there could be a balance to this, but I don't think they're in a spot where they necessarily should blow it up because they do have a weird mix of, uh, there's a lot of young guys I like on this team and they're also some vets, but it really starts with figuring out that quarterback spot. How big of a blow when you, when you look at who's playing in the NFC championship game, CJ Gardner Johnson was a saint. Now he's starting. He's making plays after play after play for the Eagles. I think losing him really took some of the pizzazz out of this team. Am I nuts? No, I don't think you are. I think there were there was a time specifically in October and early November where I thought this Saints team looked a little lifeless. And I always thought, you know, does it feel that way if Gardner Johnson's still there? And I think it'd sting a little bit less if the Saints got what would be, in my opinion, fair compensation. And that probably would have been a day two pick for them to get such a late round pick. Ah. A guy who led the league in interceptions and missed a lot of games too yeah. for the second half of the season. And you just see him in Philly. I'm not saying he's the reason that Philly's doing what they're doing. But he is a part of the reason. He's a you know, part their, of it. Their defense has been swarming. They force a lot of turnovers. Yeah. Uh, you know, the Eagles fan base has fully embraced him, which doesn't really surprise me right. because of his demeanor. So, yeah, I think the Saints could have used him. And I think more importantly, when you see the way the season unfolded, I thought Tyron Matthew did a great job of bouncing back second half of the season. Yeah. Unfortunately, Marcus May, you didn't get much out of him, whether it was lack of production or injuries. Yeah. And I would have loved to see how you know Tyron Matthew and Gardner Johnson would have worked together, especially cool. now that we know – he can play that safety spot, which he's been doing with Philly. You're right. If you don't mind, can you hold tight? Let's go to break. I got to get thoughts on the AFC and the NFC championship game with Chris Roseverglue after this timeout. This is the Jordy Holberg Show on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. The game is throwing you something far better than some cheap plastic beads this Mardi Gras. That's right. You could score a $500 Visa gift card. Just download the game mobile app, open the app, and click on the Mardi Gras Moolah tab, and you're on your way to winning a $500 Visa gift card. It's the game's Mardi Gras Moolah sweepstakes. Download the app and win money. It's just that simple. And it's all from the game, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station. Download the free game mobile app from either Android or Apple services so you can take the Blonde Bomber with you always. This is the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. Your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros in Southwest Louisiana. 
Welcome back. 47 minutes after the hour as we continue our conversation with the writer for The Spun at SI Now, Saints podcaster for Boot Crew Media. You can follow him on Twitter at Roseverglue Report. Chris Roseverglue with us as we uh, preview now the NFC and AFC championship games. And Chris, it all starts on Sunday, the first game, the 49ers at the Eagles. The Eagles are favored by two and a half, uh, a game between two physical teams. They've got good running games. They've got good defensive fronts. This is a line of scrimmage game. What are your thoughts about it? Yeah, I think you you know you hit the first point, and that's the fact that this is going to be a defensive battle. You look at two sides that uh, you know look at what they did. You look at the the Eagles on Saturday, just really overwhelmed yeah. the Giants' offense. I was feeling good going into that after what they were able to do against Minnesota. And then on the flip side, you know you look at San Francisco's defense and just time in time out. Not only do they play such a physical brand. What impresses me most is they force a lot of turnovers every week. It seems like they're forcing two, maybe three turnovers. And I think that's a testament not just to D'Amico Ryans, but what his playmakers been able to do, whether it's Fred Warner, they're all pro linebacker, their, their ability to have a guy like Jimmy Ward, who's really a safety play that nickel position to an elite level. So uh, I think that this is going to be a defensive battle. And, and I think it's one of those situations where I'm looking at, can the 49ers limit Jalen Hurts as a runner? And on the flip side for the Eagles, can you be the team that makes Brock Purdy finally kind of have that yeah. rookie moment? Boy, he, he doesn't blink, does he? It, does it come down to simply, you know, with the ability of Hurts now to run the football, you're playing 11 against 11, and Purdy doesn't, so you're playing basically 10 against 11. Does it come down to something minute like that? I do think from the 49ers standpoint, I think that how they limit Jalen Hurts, if they can limit him as yeah. a runner, I think that's got to be the number one factor there because I look across the board. I, I know that the Eagles have, you know, ridiculously good skill players, guys like A.J. Brown, Devontae Smith, Dallas Goddard. But, you know, you do kind of wonder with Nick Sirianni's comments, with the way the passing offense looked against the Giants. I'm not saying that Jalen Hurts is so banged up, but I think it's enough where I don't know if he's going to throw the football at the elite level he did in October, November. So I'm looking at can they limit Jalen Hurts to maybe 40 to 50 rushing yards and even 50 might be too much. But he's the type of guy that when he gets it going and Saints fans certainly know this over the yeah. last couple of seasons, he just those backbreaking plays that he can make. And I think they're there for the taking when you watch the Cowboys 49ers game. There are moments where I think Dak should have ran a little bit more, and for some reason he didn't. And there were a couple of plays, particularly one on fourth down, where he did leave the pocket. Yeah. And you kind of saw that that might be the one weakness of the Niners defense. It's not so much their scheme. It's just, to your point, you end up playing 11 on 11, and it's a little bit harder. So I do think that's going to be one of the number one challenges for the 49ers. 46 and a half, the over-under. Man, this is a seems like a defensive battle to me. I, yeah, If I were an investor, I'd probably go with the under on this one. This just kind of screams 20 to 17. Type yes. of it, it just really does. And yes. you, know, you look at the defensive lines, you talk about the Eagles. They're a couple of sacks away from breaking the record for the most sacks for a team to have in a season. Literally every starting defensive lineman this year, double digits and sacks, just incredible there. And then you look on the other 49ers side of things where you have a guy like Eric Armstead, who's a great interior D lineman. You have the defensive player of the year in Nick Bosa, their linebackers and Dre Greenlaw and Warner, they just range their ability to go from sideline to sideline. Kind of yeah. reminds me of what we saw with Demario Davis and Quan Alexander for a brief yeah. probably even better. Yeah. Which is crazy to think about. So to your point, yeah, you, you, you look in the trenches. I don't know how either team's going to be able to crack over 20. 
we go to the NFC AFC Championship game, a team that uh, the Bengals won last year, 27-24 in overtime. Uh, so much is going to be tantamount to the, the health of that high ankle sprain on Pat Mahomes. He says he's good to go. What else is he going to say, right? Yeah, and, and you know, he could say he's good to go now, but when guys like Dre Hendrickson are coming at him, uh, how does that ankle work? And and I think for Patrick Mahomes, he had a gutsy performance, and there was one particular drive in the second half where he made an incredible throw, and you say, is yeah. Patrick Mahomes on one ankle better than most quarterbacks in the league? And maybe the answer is yes, but I think if you take away that escapability that he has, yeah. that's a huge factor in this game. And, and and I'll be honest, even if he was 100%, we'd be having this conversation about, is this the moment where they finally beat Joe Burrow since they haven't done it yet? And I think at some point, the ankle injury is going to play a factor. And you even look at the line. The line shifted from, you know, Kansas City being a slight favorite to all of a sudden Cincinnati, as of yesterday, I yeah. believe, was a two-and-a-half-point favorite. So it's been shifting in their direction. Cincinnati's playing with just so much moxie right now. And you, you know they're not scared of going into Kansas City. They did it last year, and they just went into Buffalo in a blizzard and outplayed them in their home environment. So uh, right now, because of the way that that injury happened, and even if the injury didn't happen, Joe Burrow's just got something about him. It's hard to bet against that guy. You just never know with players. Everybody talked about the Bengals missing three offensive linemen starters, and all these reserves are coming in, and Buffalo's going to get them. They did, and Burrow gets rid of the ball so quickly. And I think Buffalo – overall for the season had a better defense than Kansas City. Of course, Buffalo lost Von Miller. That changed everything for them. But um, how do you bet against Joe Burrow? And, look, and, the, and the weapons that he has around him are astounding. Yeah, and, and you know, you look at the Chiefs-Jaguars game from Saturday. There were moments, if the Jaguars, I think, were a little bit more mature, had more playoff yeah. experience, they could get them. And, and I think five and a half minutes left, you know, Trevor Lawrence hits his backup running back around the five-yard line. He goes to cut, and he fumbles the football. And has if he doesn't do that, and they score, you know, even a field goal in that moment, it's a one-possession game with five minutes to go, and you know Patrick Mahomes is hurting, and Jacksonville's defense was getting a little bit of pressure on him. I, I think if we put Cincinnati in that spot, they're going to be ready for the moment. They've shown us they're ready for the moment the last two years. And uh, you mentioned the backup offensive lineman. It'd be one thing for the Bengals to just win that game because Joe put the team on his back and got the ball quickly, and he did all those things. Yeah. But in the run game, too, oh, yeah. it felt like they were mauling the Bills. And yeah. this team, I think they love the fact that everyone was talking about neutral site AFC championship game, and everyone likes to talk about before the year, it's the Chiefs, it's the Bills, and they go, well, excuse me, we just won the AFC last year. Why, why are we getting left out of the picture? And I think they mean that, and, and it goes across the board to even the coaches. You know, we talk about candidates around the league. Somehow Cincinnati's defensive coordinator and their offensive coordinator not really considered for jobs, and, I, and I, I'm like, these it's guys have, have the biggest chips on their shoulders right now, and I think that's played a huge part in all of this. So when push comes to shove, who represents the NFC in the Super Bowl? It's, you know, this one is the one that I just keep flipping on because, it, you know, on one hand, I'm like, Brock Purdy's got to lose a game first and we got to see it <laughs> to be like, well, I don't trust the Niners. And on the other hand, you know, I do think there's going to be a moment where a big play needs to happen. And I kind of feel like Jalen Hurts will make that big play. So for that reason, I'm, I'm kind of leaning just 2017 Eagles win. But I, I do think that the cooler story it, when Monday comes around would be if the Niners were to make it and, and wow. Brock Purdy, an Arizona kid, is playing in Arizona for a Super Bowl. So that'd be fascinating. But right now I'm, I'm leaning Eagles, but that could change at any moment. In the AFC, does uh, Burrow continue his dominance of Mahomes? Do they get back to back-to-back -back Super Bowl opportunities? Or does Mahomes, uh, 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 a less than 100% Mahomes exact revenge? 
You know, I, I think that plays the huge factor here. I, I'm rolling with the Bengals, and, and part of it and most of it is probably because of the injury. But it also goes to Joe Burrow. If he wins this game, we're going to be going through the last two seasons of him being undefeated against Josh Allen and Patrick Mahomes. Yeah. And that is something that, you know, I, I just didn't think it was possible. But with him, it is. And whether it's the injury, whether it's, you know, the Bengals defense stepping up to play. And, and uh, they've been very opportunistic with forcing turnovers. And there's something about them where you got Joe Burrow, who's probably the most lovable guy in the game. And on the flip side, you got a guy like Eli Apple who's kind of become a villain across the board. <laughs> and and it works. That weird balance kind of works. And uh, I think this team is ready for the moment. And, and we know they're not going to be scared of Kansas City. And I think that's going to really help them come Sunday night. Can't thank you enough. You're the best. You are the best, man. Take care. Enjoy the championship uh, games on Sunday. Really appreciate it. You too. Thank you for having me, Jordy. Chris Roseverglue, Boot Crew Media. Kind enough to join us. Our number one's in the books. Coming up, our number two, it's Hump Day with Huguenin. We'll talk all things college football, college basketball. Who is going to be the offensive and defensive coordinators for the Crimson Tide? Is that a big advantage for LSU and Brian Kelly? We'll talk all about that and much, much more when our number two comes around. So, Stay with us. This is the Jordy Helpert Show, and uh, we'll be back for hour number two on this beautiful Wednesday, January 25th. Live and local, this is the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Open for the end zone. It's a Saints touchdown. It's time for two hours of the best sports talk on the airwaves. Here's your host, the Blonde Bomber, Jordy Holtberg. It's hour number two of two, and away we go. It's Wednesday, January 25th, the year 2023. What started out looking like a miserable, dreary kind of a day. Well, the sun has come out. Any of y'all that were uh, affected by the, the winds and the rain yesterday, prayers to you. Um, I know some things were knocked down around the Lafayette and the Cadiana area, but hopefully everybody is A-OK. It was snowing in Arkansas, and boy, <laughs> I think LSU's basketball team uh, stayed out in the cold a little bit too long. But first, my main man, James Mesh, in the producer's chair in the game studios, which are on the campus of Delta Media, which is where you'll find KLWB, which is 1037 Lafayette. We're also on 1041 in Lake Charles, streaming around the world, 1037thegame.com, 1041thegame.com. Um, you can ask Alexa to play the game, Southwest Louisiana sports station you can do that and if you're in the acadiana area well we are simulcasts on stadium 32.3 and 133 on lus fiber uh the game hotline 337-706-0111 we talked uh, nfl football in our number one our number two we're going to talk college football college basketball and all and the like with my my main man my longtime Wednesday guest hump day with Hugan and Mike Huguenin from on com. Well, it's getting worse and worse for LSU basketball, the men's side. Um, 
a sixth straight double-digit loss in conference play. It was uh, snowing in Fayetteville, Arkansas, and LSU couldn't throw one in the ocean uh, as they lose to the Hogs 60-40. to It is hard for me to imagine in today's college basketball world with so many advantages to the offensive player, you can't hand check anymore. You can't bump them anymore. There's the three-point line. There's the shot clock. A 40-minute game, you only score 40 points. I mean, come on. Come on. They can't shoot. I'm sorry. They started the game off two for 18 from the field. Two for 18 from the field. They had eight turnovers in the first 10 minutes, and they trailed at the half 38 to 14. 38 to 14. My goodness gracious. Um, they they warmed up a little bit. At least they came out, hit four of their first five in the second half. But for the game, look, listen to these numbers. From the field, 14 of 54. That's 26%. 26%. It gets worse. From downtown, one for nine, 11%. Adam Miller, I don't criticize college athletes, but dude, stop shooting from three. He goes one for six. Man, drive the ball to the bucket. Do something. They can't they LSU doesn't rebound the basketball. Um you know, only well, they got only beat by one on the boards, 36-35, but they they turn it over 15 times, and you just can't win that way. Um, they can't. It's just I feel for Matt McMahon. I really, really do. Um, but this is just a bad basketball team. Bad. You're starting five. One for five, one for three, two for ten, three for nine, three for twelve. Your guys coming off the bench. Oh for oh, oh for one, oh for four, four for ten. Your best is Trey Hannibal, 19 minutes. He goes four for ten. Gets five rebounds. But there's no help. There is no help. No double digit scores. Um and Arkansas gets a much, much needed win, and they just put it away early, and that was all she wrote. So anyway, uh, LSU gets out of conference play. They'll play Texas Tech in the Big 12 SEC Challenge uh, coming up on Saturday in the Pete Maravich Assembly Center, and that will be a, a 1 o'clock tip. Pat Mahomes says he is ready to go. It's AFC Championship week, he said, ready to go. That high ankle sprain he suffered in the first quarter of Saturday's 27-20 divisional round playoff victory over the Jacksonville Jaguars. He did return to the game in the second half. He was noticeably limping. Um, Mahomes, full practice participant today. He said the ankle has progressed. And, that, you know, with the, with the new rehab treatments and all this kind of stuff, who knows? I hope he's at full speed. I do. Because I want to see Joe Burrow at full speed against him doing his thing. One bit of advice, Cincinnati. You got to figure out a way to stop one of, if not the greatest tie end of all time in Travis Kelsey, who game after game after game gets wide open. 
and makes catches and does all the things that you would expect him to do that everybody knows he's going to do and nobody can stop him. The AP has announced their finalists for the NFL MVP award. Um, you might as well just have put four quarterbacks out there, um, but Jalen Hurts, Patrick Mahomes, Josh Allen, Joe Burrow are finalists, as is former LSU Tiger, like Joe Burrow, but wide receiver for the Minnesota Vikings, Justin Jefferson, is up for the award. Who's going to... um? Who's going to win this thing? Offensive Player of the Year award. The nominees are Hertz, Jefferson, and Mahomes. Defensive Player of the Year nominees, Nick Bosa of the 49ers, Chris Jones of the Chiefs, Micah Parsons of the Cowboys. Comeback Player of the Year. This is interesting. Who's the best? Who's going to win this one? Saquon Barkley, the Giants. He did have quite a resurrection. Christian McCaffrey. Look what he did for the 49ers. Did anybody think Geno Smith would have the kind of year he had for the Seahawks? Who's the coach of the year? Brian Dayball of the Giants, Doug Peterson of the Jags, or Kyle Shanahan of the 49ers? I think it's between Dayball and Peterson. Uh, I really do, and you can flip a coin on that one. Um, Offensive rookie of the year, no Chris Olave because the Saints were so bad, but Brock Purdy, eight straight wins as the quarterback for the Niners, Kenneth Walker of the Seahawks, Garrett Wilson of the Jets, and the defensive rookie of the year, Sauce Gardner of the Jets, Aiden Hutchinson of the Lions, Tariq Woolen of the Seahawks. It's Aiden Hutchinson all the way. So stay tuned for those announcements coming February the 9th. The Pels got beat by the Nuggets. They they gave it a valiant effort. Uh, The best team in the West, the Nuggets, came in with a triple-double from Nikola Jokic, who might be back-to-back-to-back MVP winners. 25 points, 11 rebounds, 10 assists for the center in 36 minutes. Uh, The Pels fought back valiantly, uh, but came up short, outscoring Denver 24-16 in the fourth quarter, but they fell 99-98. to They're now 26 up and 22 down. They have... um, uh, they have lost five in a row, and now they are eight games out of first in the West and still holding on to the fourth spot. Zion Williamson's going to be out for at least at least two more weeks. Um, so that's another eight games he's going to miss. But the Pels, who bounce, to look to bounce back tonight against the Minnesota Timberwolves, who are only two and a half games behind the Pels, they hope that Brandon Ingram will be available and will play tonight so stay tuned for uh that one as uh man the pels need a win uh, angel reese of the lsu women's basketball program was named the sec player of the week for the fifth time this season um this week two more double doubles 20 straight of those to break Sylvia Fowles' LSU record. Tigers are 20-0. and 0. They're just one of two remaining unbeaten teams in the country, South Carolina being the other. Tigers are visiting Angola right now as we speak. They'll return to the court next Monday when they host Tennessee at 6 p.m. for a whiteout game in the PMAC. I hope everybody does that. Hey, hey, come on. Spread the word. You go into the game. They're going to be – it's going to be a packed house. Don't be that person. Don't be that person. Wear white. Get the whole place white. You don't want to see somebody wearing gold or somebody wearing black stuck in the middle of a – come on. 
get join the fray and have some fun with it. Kim Mulkey can recruit. She uh, two of her signees, Alea Del Rosario, Michaela Williams, were named McDonald's All Americans yesterday. Uh, it's the second consecutive year that LSU has signed a Mickey D's All American. Flojie Johnson was one last year. Uh, she's played like one this season. Uh, Kim Mulkey, amazing what she has done and how rapidly she has done it. It is kind of. Uh, Kind of amazing, kind of amazing. All right, uh, Michael Huguenin on free.com. We got a lot to talk about. Who is going to be the offensive and defensive coordinator for the Alabama Crimson Tide? Nick Saban's going to go back into his uh, file of coaches and come up with something to try and keep pace with not only Georgia in the East, but the Tigers in the West. That's next after this. This is the Jordy Holberg Show on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. Now that you scored an Amazon Alexa or Google Home smart speaker for Christmas, you can now use it to listen to the game. Southwest Louisiana Sports Station. Just ask your Alexa or Google Home to play the game. Southwest Louisiana. It's that easy. Do the smart thing. Have the game 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles with you at your office, at your home. How about everywhere you go? I want Alexa in my car. That's what I want. So wherever I am, I can do it. Can we figure that out? Can we, James Mesh, can we work on that? You're so smart with all the buttons that you push and figuring all these things out. Let's get that done. I want it in my car. Um, But anyway, it's with you at your home, at your office, everywhere you go. Uh-oh. Do you know what day it is? Huh? Anybody? It's time for Jordy to break down the biggest storylines in college athletics with Mike Huguenin of On3.com. Mike, 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 Mike. What day is it, Mike? Here is Hump Day with Huguenin. On the game, 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Michael, good afternoon, buddy. How are you? Um... Interesting time of the year. The, you know, the transfer portal has slowed a little bit. Still about uh, two weeks away from National Signing Day, which doesn't mean much anymore. And obviously it's getting hot and heavy with college basketball. So um, a lot of good stuff going on right now. I'm with you. I- I'm curious as your thoughts. We uh, we saw just the other day that Bill O'Brien is leaving Alabama as their offensive coordinator. He's taking the same job with the New England Patriots. So old Nick Saban's got to take a. He's got to get a new offensive coordinator. He's got to get a new defensive coordinator. There's a lot of names out there offensively. There's a there's a Dan Mullins that's out there. There's a Cliff Kingsbury that's out there, uh, and others. What what do you think Nick is thinking? I think he is thinking, let's go a little bit more um, college style than pro style. I think O'Brien was sort of a, a if, if, if you think of the Alabama uh, OC job as a pendulum, it swung one way with Sarkeesian and Kiffin and then sort of swung back the other way with Dable and O'Brien. I think he wants to swing back the, the other way a, a little bit more. Um, a little bit more spread aspects involved. Um, going to be a very interesting season at Alabama, obviously, just because of the coordinators. I mean, two coordinators are, are yep. being changed over. But also, I, I, I'm still sort of, 
intrigued by the idea that Jalen Milrow is going to be the quarterback. And I think that's why I go a little bit more to the spread version because Jalen Milrow, to me, um, is a his strength is more as a runner uh, than as a passer. So I think that's why he might want to be more of a spread because he's going to have to run the quarterback more. Kind of curious. My my curiosity peaked. Uh, I I saw a list of possible names that that for that uh, spot. And the name Joe Brady popped up. Um, I know he's in the NFL, but boy, LSU fans, um, we know what he did along with Joe Burrow and that loaded, loaded squad. But that would be interesting. Yeah, but again, I'm not, I mean, I think Brady is more aligned with a guy who's a more of a pure passer. And I, I don't know how that would work with, with Milrow. Uh, one name I've heard a little bit is, is Jeff Levy, um, mm-hmm. you know, and that's from the Art Browse school because he's Art Browse's son-in-law, so literally yeah. from the Art Browse school. And, and Levy, uh, you know, doesn't mind running his quarterback. But it is, you're right; it is, you know, it's it's not as if the Alabama offense was atrocious this past season. It was right. it was quite good, though not as good in tw- as in 2021 because the receivers weren't as good. But th- right. this is, yeah, you know, for a coach who's had as much success as Saban has had, he really has gone through a lot of coordinators. <laughs> yes. And to me, that's an example of Saban, his program has such a strong foundation that it doesn't really matter who's calling his plays. They're going to win a lot of games, but I, I do think it's more to me at least more likely that he goes more of a spread than more of a pro style guy this time defense was um uh, does he go back to a to an old friend and bring him back as a defensive coordinator yeah the the name obviously the hot name is jeremy pruitt but you know jeremy pruitt was fired because he broke ncaa rules now obviously you could say that well some of the rules that pruitt broke don't don't really matter anymore because of the advent of NIL. I guess to an extent that's right. Um, it would be a – I think it's a bad look, but um, he has a comfort level with Pruitt. Pruitt knows what's expected. Pruitt's a good recruiter. Pruitt has been a successful uh, defensive coordinator in that league. Um, so – that, to me, is the more interesting of the two hires, just because of the idea that he, unlike you know years past with the offensive guys, he always seems to, you know, sometimes he brings in a guy that no one expects or not necessarily aligned with his way of thinking. In this respect, it would be not only hiring a guy aligned with his way of thinking, it'd be hiring a former assistant. So that's interesting, too. I will tell, but Nick always seems to figure it out. Yes, um, you sent me a yes, text a while back. You, you really like this kid, Omar Spates, that LSU got yes. from Oregon State in the portal. Um, you said he's a big play, not a big play guy, but steady against the run. Your thoughts? Yeah, I think that's, yeah, that's, I, I've written that twice now. I, I think that's a really good pickup. Harold Perkins is a splash play guy. That's not Omar Spates. Omar Spates, though, is a guy who was a first-team All-Pac-12 guy, um, three-year starter at Oregon State, a two-time captain. So he's obviously well-respected by not only the coaching staff but the players. And that's a program that 
you know, you know, maybe five years ago, why are you bringing in a guy from Oregon State? Well, that that's that's a really good program now. It's extremely well coached. They yeah. don't beat themselves. Good fundamentals. And to me, you know, Spates is a guy who was from Pennsylvania. Then he moved for his senior season to Oregon. Before he left Pennsylvania, he was considered one of the top three recruits in that state. The kid can play football. And, again, he played in a very hard-hitting and – the defense at Oregon State knocked the snot out of you. It was a physical unit. So if I'm a LSU fan, I'm jacked up. Hey, we're bringing in a dude who likes to hit. Um, no, he's not a splash guy, but, hey, we got a guy for those steady. kind of plays. Yeah. We want a steady guy who knows what he's doing, can call defensive signals, um, and isn't going gonna, isn't gonna to make stupid mistakes, and that's Omar Spates. And, and you look at everybody says, well, Saban's got to make changes to keep up with Georgia. What LSU's done with the transfer portal, what LSU's done from a recruiting of high school seniors, I would argue that Alabama's got to fight off Brian Kelly and LSU because they're yeah. coming. You, you got to win. You, you got to win your division first, and that, that was seen as well. That's you know that's a, that's a, always going to happen in Alabama. Well, obviously this year it didn't, and the added Philip being that oh my God they didn't win their division. And a first-year coach did win the division with a. I'll still say it. It was a flawed roster, big time. Yeah. I don't think yeah. they had a. They had nothing close to a stud running back. Um, mm-hmm. The receiving core was talented, but not always consistent. Two yeah. freshmen starting tackles, and all new starting secondary for the most part. Um, the best defensive lineman missed all but one game. So um, you're right. The, the job Kelly has done on the field and in the portal and on the recruiting trail is impressive. The dude, you know, we talked when he was hired. The dude seemed like maybe a, what's well, a weird fit. But they brought in a really high-level coach, and yep. he proved that in his first year there. I always argued about that. Where do you think Nick Saban came from? He's just a great coach. He came to Baton Rouge, and look what he did. Right. I mean, that's the thing. It's and not that, about you know, well, he never won a national title at Notre Dame. Well, yeah, you know, and that's the you know his Notre Dame teams got blown out in the playoffs or in the BCS. Yep. So what? They got there, and yep. Notre Dame. You and I have talked about this. Notre Dame's recruiting restrictions are real. Yes. And let's get serious. No school in the SEC other than Vanderbilt has tough recruiting restrictions. So that's another aspect of the the Brian Kelly. He knows how to recruit. He recruited good players at Notre Dame. He's going to get better better players at LSU. Um, It looks like he hired a really good staff right out of the gate. Yeah, um, yeah and, and your, your point about everybody focusing on Alabama and Georgia, you know, that, that's understandable to an extent. At the same time, let's not forget that the team that won the West last year was not Alabama, but LSU. And they're going to be better this year than yes, they were so. last year, without yes. question, without doubt. Nobody's talking about the team that everybody was talking about a year ago, that otherworldly recruiting class. Is A&M under the radar? Do you expect a big leap from them this season? Yeah, I mean, they didn't go to a bowl last year. So they should be expect. They still have a talented roster. They should be expected to be a at least a contender for a the number three spot, because I think, yeah, on paper, 
Alabama and LSU in some in some order are clearly and distinctly the two best teams in that division. So who's third best? Is it Ole Miss, which brought in a bunch of portal guys and is breaking in a new quarterback? Is it Texas A&M, which is going to have an all-new offense? It ain't going to be Auburn. Um, I don't think it's going to be Arkansas, and I don't think it's going to be Mississippi State. I'm intrigued by the unfortunate – I shouldn't say that way – what, the tragic situation at Mississippi State has made them an interesting story um, mm-hmm. because Leach was such a interesting coach, um, offensively and personality-wise. So you know now, obviously, he's passed away. So what does the Mississippi State offense look like? Arkansas lost its top three receivers, and they they brought in a Division two guy, a yeah. FCS guy and a guy from the MAC to be their top three receivers. Now, I think all three of those dudes can play, but going from the FCS ranks, the Division II ranks, and the MAC to the SEC, that's going to be a big, big-time jump. And you're also doing it with a new offensive coordinator. Here's Mike Hugan and on through that com. I'd be remiss. We have to let you go here in just a minute. You've got some other things to do, and I understand it, and I'm thankful for your time. Um, I'd be remiss if I didn't ask you who, who you got going to the Super Bowl. You know, you've got um, an SEC quarterback in uh, in Philadelphia. You've got a uh, Big 12 quarterback coming for the 49ers. And then in the AFC, it's, uh, it's the think, SEC versus yeah. the Big 12 again. Yeah, I think it's going to be I, – I think Kansas City is going to win this year. Um, I think the home field is going, to, is going to make a difference for the Chiefs. And the NFC, I have no idea. Uh, I, I'll be honest. I still can't believe Jalen Hurts has played this well. Yeah. Um, I mean, goodness gracious. Um, the idea that Jalen Hurts would be a better pro than Baker Mayfield or uh, – uh, Connor Murray is interesting to me, but that appears to be the case. Um, I, 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 I think San Francisco's defense is going to cause some problems for Hertz, so I think it's going to be San Francisco, Kansas City. But yeah, I mean, it's, I, I, both these games to me are fascinating. As is tonight's Xavier UConn college basketball game. Um, yeah. You know, you and I, I think we both love college basketball more than anything else. And, I mean, last night's Kansas State-Iowa State game was fantastic. I thought Syracuse got jobbed at the end of their game against North Carolina. And then tonight you got Xavier UConn. I mean, Xavier, Sean Miller. um, Yep. Never got fired for for cheating at Arizona. Did he get fired for losing? And now he's turned Xavier into what looks like it might be the best team in the uh, Big East this year. Love it. Love it. Um, I know you got to run. Thank you for your time. We'll talk to you next week. All right, buddy. Thank you, sir. Thank you. That's Mike Huguenin on three dot com. I didn't have a chance to ask him. Um, you know, he thought who, who would have thought Jalen Hurts would be a better pro quarterback than Baker Mayfield? Who's going to be the best pro quarterback out of this draft class? Is it going to be CJ Stroud of Ohio State? Is it going to be Bryce Young for Alabama? Is it going to be Will Levis from from Kentucky? Um, who who is it going to be? 
Um, lots of quarterbacks out there. Uh, Anthony Richardson from Florida. Uh, who's going to be the dude that steps up? Normally, it's not the first pick unless you're Joe Burrow. Sometimes it's that forgotten guy a little bit down the line, a little bit down the line. Of course, is Mr. Irrelevant going to be the long-term solution for the 49ers? If he wins this game against Philly in Philly, guess what? He's your starting quarterback, and now Jim Garoppolo's gone. What do you do with Trey Lance? What do you do? What does Trey Lance want to do? Wow. Anyway, um, we'll take a timeout here. Uh, we'll come back. We'll open up the phone lines, the game hotline, 337-706-0111, 706-0111. Would you be ticked off if Joe Brady became the offensive coordinator at Alabama? And uh, your thoughts on the NFC-AFC championship games. We'll see if anybody wants to call. Mm, that's why we have a hotline. This is your chance. Give us a holler, 706-0111. Stay with us. Every day is a Chamber of Commerce kind of day when you're listening to the Jordy Holberg Show. This is the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. Your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros in Southwest Louisiana. We're back. 36 minutes after the hour, I'd love to hear from you. The game hotline is open and available for you and yours. It's 337-706-0111. 706-0111. Who's going to be the best quarterback coming out of this draft class? And your thoughts on the NFC Championship game and the AFC Championship game. I'm... uh, you know, I just I, I watch college football games and, you know, I have my opinion and, and everybody's entitled to their opinion and, and how they view things. You know, have I been wrong on players before? Heck, yeah, I've been wrong. No question about it. For instance, I'm not a big fan of C.J. Stroud of Ohio State, the quarterback from Ohio State. I'm not a big fan of his. I I just don't get it. I am a big fan of Bryce Young. Everybody talks about his size and his frame and all that kind of stuff. I just saw a guy that um, that led Alabama and came up with huge plays in huge situations. That's what I think. Uh, Mike is on the game hotline. And I'd love to hear what Mike thinks about all of the above or whatever he wants to talk about. Good afternoon, Mike, and welcome. Hi. How you doing, Mr. Hallberg? Terrific. You know, you and I have a common rooting interest in a basketball team in Baton Rouge, and I do believe that number 20 and a few of her friends could maybe <laughs> score 14 and a half, huh? <laughs> um, I, I, I think you do. I think they would, and, and I appreciate that uh, that phone call. I really do. And that, yeah, they, they poor LSU basketball. I don't know what's happened to them. Um, they just can't shoot. And it just it just brings to mind, and, I, and this is not a slight to any of them. I know they're trying their best, but they got drafted. Uh, they got a scholarship to the Ohio Valley Conference. That's a whole different ball of wax than, than coming into the SEC. And that early schedule, they didn't play anybody, and they, they thought pretty highly of themselves, and that's great. But it's a dose of reality now. This league is brutal, and there are no easy games whatsoever. And it's 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 just bad right now. They're just not a good team. They don't have SEC caliber players, plain and simple. 
Well, I agree with that, uh, and I wonder if they have an SEC-caliber coach. Uh, I like his on-court demeanor. I like the way he handles himself and he handles the kids. He was brought into a really difficult situation. But the other thing I wanted to talk about, uh, why does it take a Louisiana State auditor to bring to light double payment? Doesn't the uh, recipient of the money know he got paid twice? You know what that tells me? That tells me it's automatically deposited and he got no say in the That goes straight to the wife and he don't care about that stuff. That's what it tells me. Well, um, I, I may be totally care, off but base. But I bet you if they didn't send the check, he would be aware of it. Well, I, I be, you know what? That's right, because the wife would be all over him. All over them. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. It, it's it's bizarre. It's crazy. Uh, but, yeah, they overpaid him. Uh, you know, they double paid him for a couple of months. And uh, so they'll readjust it, and they'll get their money back for sure. But, yeah, that's kind of crazy. It really is. Now, what kind, what kind of guy gets a half a million dollars just to play in a bowl game when they have 40 bowl games? You know, kind I, of, there, there's so, a lot what kind of said cool? about this. What kind of NFL quarterback deserves $60 million to play in a season like Aaron Rodgers is going to get if he suits up for Green Bay? It's just the cost of doing business, I guess. I don't know. Well, I don't mind his overall contract. I think he's worth it, and I think they can afford it, and that's what happens in in entertainment and sports today. But uh, that's the same guy that finished behind Tulane in the national rankings. Don't forget that. (laughs) you're right look we can find fault in everything it is what it is it's the cost of doing business i thought he had a great first year now we'll see what happens in year two i think they're going to be much better this year now what does that equate to time will tell time will tell but mike i do do think he's a a quality coach i really do and i just thought i'd bring a little light to your a little lightness to your program and i do enjoy i like the the fact that you like number 20 uh, for a for a local team in Baton Rouge, I like that a lot. So thank you. Hey, lot to like right there. Have a good evening, All right, buddy. You're the best. Thank you so much. Seven zero six zero one eleven. Seven zero six zero one eleven. Pricing is so out of line, and it, it, it just is. But it 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 is what it is. I mean, Josh Heupel gets a four million dollar raise. Yesterday, he's up to $9 million, and he's the fifth highest-paid coach in the SEC. Fifth. It is what it it is. And guess guess what it all comes down to? Well, it comes down to television, right? All these mega deals, billion-dollar deals for broadcasting rights, and it comes to you paying the price of admission, to sit in the seats, to buy the parking passes, to buy the concessions. That's what it's all about. Ralph is on the game hotline. Good afternoon, Ralph. How are you, sir? Hey, buddy. How you doing, man? Terrific. Thanks for the call, man. What's up? Uh, hey, Jordy. First of all, um, you know, with Brett Myers' uh, struggles in, in the playoffs, I saw Martin Anderson say he could uh, still lace it up and kick, and I, I, I firmly believe you could uh, – Definitely start for LSU basketball right now. <laughs> be a I better didn't have to run. If I didn't have to run to the other end of the court, if I could just spot up, catch it, and shoot it, <laughs> I guarantee you I can make four out of ten with my eyes closed from the three-point line. Guarantee you. Absolutely. 
Hey, but uh, the reason I was calling was because of our Saints, man. I'm starting to get a, a very uneasy feeling that we we may not get anything for Sean Payton this year. I, the more this coaching carousel kind of goes around, um, and I'm seeing other guys get second interviews, I don't know if he's pricing himself off the market, wanting too much control. I, don't, I just don't know, but I'm getting I, I'm getting a very very uneasy feeling. I'm the same way. The longer this takes, it doesn't wait. And look, the number 20 to 25 millions being floated out there. And what's it going to take? Uh, retribution to the Saints. And, uh, you know, these teams don't have coaches for a reason because they're bad teams. They're bad teams. And the last time I saw it, yeah, coaching is so important. But coaches coach, players have to make plays. You need really good players. The players help make the coaches that much better. I'm with you. I'm starting to lean to the fact that Peyton's going to go, you know what? I think I'm going to take keep that gig uh, out there in the West Coast and talk a little bit of football on TV and go home, and that's going to be it. And maybe another job opens up with a good quarterback. Yep. Uh, that I'm starting and, to lean that way. Yeah, I'm with you. I think he'll be uh, buying a, um, a, a, a Staley voodoo doll in, uh, in San Diego <laughs> in, uh, in the offseason and try pray for a Man. collapse next year. I think that's his dream job for sure. What? But my, yeah, my last, I'm sorry, go ahead. No, what's the what's going to happen to the Saints? I mean, how do, how do they yeah. recover from this? So, Jordan, here's what I'm concerned about too, man. You've got you've got Chris Richard and Ryan Nielsen who are getting interviews yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, for defensive coordinator jobs. If, if they lose those two guys, man, this is going to be it's not because that, that's the the one bright spot was the last six or eight games we were holding opponents to to you know, 19 points a game. Yes, um, indeed. But, man, keeping Car- Carmichael is a head-scratcher, and uh, if we lose those two guys, we're it's going to be dire years, man. It, I don't know. Time will tell. We shall see. We shall see. Um, thank you so much for the co- phone call, Ralph. I greatly appreciate it, man. Have a great day. Um, thank you, we'll, we'll take more of your phone calls, 337-706-0111. we got one more segment to go. Give us a holler. I love to hear your thoughts, and we'll try and do that next. This is the Jordy Holberg Show on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. Tune in tonight, 6 to 7, the McNeese Coaches Show presented by Maplewood Burgers. Line a bit out of Westlake and the Southwest Louisiana Law Center. Jim Gazzola will be talking all things Cowboys with head football coach Gary Goff. So tune in tonight starting at 6 for the McNeese Coaches Show right here on the game, 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. A recent survey discovered that game listeners prefer our station over watching a mandated webinar at work. Well, thank you, everyone, for coming to this exciting meeting today to discuss... Take that, productivity in the workplace. This is The Game, 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. 50 minutes after the hour, we're back on this Wednesday, January 25th, 337-706-0111 is the game 
hotline. Congratulations are in order at McNeese State University as the director of athletics, Heath Schroyer, has announced the promotions of three athletic senior staff members. So congratulations to Bridget Martin, who is now deputy athletic director. My buddy, Matthew Bonnet. Nobody loves the Cowboys more than Matthew Bonnet. He is now the senior associate athletic director. And John Lemke, he is now the associate athletic director with a new title comes more money so husbands wives are more happy everything's good and mcneese has things going in the right direction so congratulations to all three of you um and that's uh that's awesome that is awesome good for you we got hoops tonight the pels and the t wolves if anybody's interested you should be um should have brandon ingram back tonight that's going to get you about 20 right there so that's going to help take some of the pressure off of cj mccullum um but you're still going to have to get these other players uh herb jones going to have to figure out a way to score and um and others coming off the bench, so they just got to get healthy. If they're healthy, man, they're a really good basketball team. All you LSU basketball fans, look, I know, I know. You're starting to doubt. You're starting to wonder, um, is this the right guy? I'm telling you, Matt McMahon can coach basketball. He can coach basketball. What we have to see, and the jury is out, and I'm right there with you, can he recruit you can't keep going to Murray State and some of these small schools and expect to compete at this level. There's too many great players. So he's got a lot of work to do, but you got to give him some time. He came into the, the worst scenario that any coach of any team has ever faced. Everybody talked about what Brian Kelly inherited. Well, at least LSU had a team on the field that that played in a bowl game. They didn't have many numbers, but at least they could put 22 people out there. Matt McMahon came to LSU. He had zero players. Zero. No coaches, no players, no nothing. He had an empty canvas. Go do the best you can. And he did the best he could. Now, can he recruit? You can't. Yeah. You can't go three for 25 and 12% in a half in the SEC. You just can't. I don't care. I, I, you you got to find shooters, man. You got to find shoot 12% and they scored 40 points overall. My daughter's high school team, 32 minutes, scores more than that. My And they don't have a shot clock. So teams are dribbling around, dribbling. Which is just another pet peeve as I go all over the globe. High school basketball needs a shot clock. Everybody has a shot clock except high school. Come on. Get a shot clock. It's time. I know it's an expense. I know it is. But it's time. We got to get into this century. We got to get into it. Plain and simple. So anyway, but um, so be patient. I know it's no fun. Nobody's going to show up. Saturday, you'll hear crickets when LSU plays Texas Tech. Monday, when Kim Mulkey shows up and LSU plays Tennessee, that place will be filled to the rafters. Basketball, everybody loves a winner. Football, people go, even if it's bad for the most part, because they love to complain. And it's an event. It's a party. It's a happening. Just is. 
LSU football is not going to lose. They're not going to lose. They're going to be they're going to be really good next year. Alabama, you've been able to looking in your rearview mirror, not across to Georgia, but you better be looking in your rearview mirror to LSU because they're going to be really really good. This this dude, Brian Kelly, he don't mess around. Doesn't mess around. We'll wait and see if there's any changes to his coaching staff or whatever along those lines with special teams and all that. But um, Brian Poley is a good dude. They just need some players. They need to. They need better, better players. They need a better system, and he needs help. But that dude can recruit, and that's the most important thing. Gotta go get play. I always equate it to the story, the greatest story ever. The greatest coach in college basketball history became an eyelash of getting fired. And then he recruited some kid from Power Memorial High School in New York to go all the way across the country and play at UCLA. And Lou Alcindor changed everything. It ain't about the X's and the O's. It's about the Jimmy's and the Joe's. It just is. All right. Special thanks to Chris Rosevaglu, Michael Huguenin, for hopping on board today. Tomorrow is Thursday. You know what that means. The Schwab is going to pick his uh, Super Bowl teams. Who's going to win? The Schwab will uh, will X and O that one and Jimmy and Joe it as well. Um, so that and much, much more. Can the Pels snap a five-game losing skid? They got to beat Minnesota tonight. Got to. We'll recap that as well. If today, January 25th, is your birthday, happy birthday from all of us to all of you. What a freshman year he had. What a freshman year. Justin Vincent is 40 years old today. Just seemed like yesterday. He took that first play from scrimmage in the title game and zhoo, almost took it to the house. Just before that, he was the MVP of the uh, SEC championship game. Yeah, he was he was pretty good for old Nick Saban and the Tigers. Uh, happy birthday, Justin Vincent. Um, James Mesh, thank you, sir, for all you do in the producer's chair. Job well done. Uh, thanks to all of you for listening in, whatever form or fashion you do, the radio, the internet, television hey thank you and to our partners that make it possible each and every day we couldn't do it if you didn't do your part so thank you very very much we'll be back tomorrow same time two to four same great station 1037 lafayette 1041 lake charles so until then i'm jordy helper i hope you stay thirsty my friends keep seeking knowledge all right stay healthy that's the most important thing let's be kind to one another come on be kind and let's all be happy why not coming up next it's crunch time with miguez and mesh and i'll talk to you tomorrow <laughs>